Welcome to the Old Cow Podcast, where two women over 50 living in different countries and their weekly guests from around the world dig deep into life after 40 and ask themselves, how can we stop others from thinking of us as old if that's how we see ourselves? From real talk about everything from what is annoying about aging, the weird things that begin happening to our bodies as we age, what healthy aging is, how dating and sex is different in the second half of life, the latest fashion trends for any age, beginning a new career, what love looks like as we age, starting over, and real talk about politics and current events through an older and more experienced lens. Nothing is off the table in this refreshingly honest, fun podcast. Here are your hosts, real-life friends, Jill and Ava. So we're very excited today. We have Monique Clement, and I know we're butchering her name with my Brooklyn accent. It's a beautiful French name that I'm mispronouncing, I'm sure. Um, I met Monique online. Actually, I would say I picked up Monique is probably a better way to put it. I saw her beautiful photos in a Facebook group. And I wrote to her and I asked if she could be on our podcast and she was so nice. I mean, that's like one of the first few times I picked up, I'm going to be honest, I have picked up women before. So this is maybe the fifth time that I picked up a woman on Facebook and it was nice. You were right there. Like, yes, I'll do it. So welcome (laughs) and thank you. And maybe now you can tell people why I asked you that, why I invited you on the show. Oh, well, well, thank you for inviting me, first of all. And I believe you asked me because I'm 70 years old and I'm just starting a new career at my age, modeling. So that is a bit of an anomaly, and but it's so much fun. It gives me so much energy. How did it happen exactly that you got into modeling? Many, many years ago, some 50 odd years ago, I used to be a model and I was quite um successful I was one of Canada's top models but the day I turned 30 back then being 30 and a model was like being really over the hill and I was booked the day I turned 30 on my 30th birthday with two younger models I think they were about 16 years old and I was supposed to look like them like a 16-year-old. And when you're 30 and the mother of two children, you don't feel like a 16-year-old. And I found that quite disturbing. And everybody in the fashion industry knows some women who refuse to grow old gracefully, who are constantly trying to make themselves look inappropriately young. You know, there's, there's a difference between dressing young and pretending to be 16. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I just all of a sudden saw myself becoming that kind of, of woman. And I just thought, no, this is not going to happen to me. It's demeaning. And I went back home after that booking. And I called my agent and I said, this was my last booking. I'm I'm retiring from modeling. And now here I am, 70 years old, starting to model again. But I'm not trying to look 16. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> so what, what kind of modeling was it, Monique? Um, oh, it was just fashion. I did, I did runway. I did a lot of photography. I did television commercials. I was very busy. But this was actually, I think, a catalog job, if I remember right. But right. the clothes they were giving me, back then, 
fashion wasn't quite as forgiving. There was quite a line uh, between the way teenagers dressed and the the way women dressed. And I've always been rather a classic type of person. And for me to to wear, I forget what it was that I was modeling exactly, but it just was so unsuitable for a classic person, a a 30-year-old, that I remember thinking, no, 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 I'm not going to do this again. You know what? You actually mentioned a couple of things that were interesting. So on that point that you just made, looking back now, because you know, it's changed, right? I mean, in those days, I am sure your mom dressed like a grandmother from a very young age. Absolutely. And so now looking back, do you still think that it was too young for you? Or do you think that women who are moms dressed much older than their ages then? Uh, A little bit of both. We did dress older than our age. Absolutely. However, fashion, you know, what is beautiful changes. When we look at at, uh, years ago, okay, Rubenesque women were in fashion and now all of a sudden they're in fashion again. And for many, many years, women were slender if they were beautiful. And then we go back just a little bit farther back and we look at Marilyn Monroe, who was, I believe she was like a size 14 or something. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, UK, UK 16, so quite voluptuous, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So fashion changes. And back then, dressing like a 16-year-old when you're 30 was really <laughs> not right <laughs> for me anyways. You also mentioned something about um, dressing inappropriately. Do you think there's something like that today for a woman? Because you know how they used to say, I have very long hair, you can't see me. But I've had people, my friends, so I'm in my 50s, I've had my friends say to me, you should cut your hair. And not um, because they say it doesn't look good, because that could be fair to say, but they yeah. it's 100% because of my age. So do you think when you said that about um, dressing inappropriately, do you think that there are rules that we should follow as we age? Or you're just saying that? It just, you know, maybe it doesn't look good an older woman or what, what are your thoughts on that? I don't mind hair one way or another. I'm talking about clothes that are too revealing, like uh, hot pants, for example. You know, when you see the back cheek of a of, uh, girl's bottom yeah. and that might look okay on a 16 year old. But if you're a certain age, no, it doesn't look a very, very appropriate anymore. Um, and I do remember, I don't remember what it was, but it was something that was inappropriate in that way. No, no, I, I'll tell you the truth. I have a daughter and I would prefer that she doesn't do that. I agree. Girl. But yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so what did you do when you left modeling um, when you were 30? Well, actually, that's a funny question. It's a really good question. My son was very young. He was just a baby just about at the time. And uh, and that might have had something to do with the way I felt like a new mother. You know, I didn't feel appropriate feel like dressing like a 16 year old. Uh, but at the time, my then husband was having some financial difficulty. So it was important that I go back to work. I had been an important part of uh uh the earning of the family at the time and um and the only business i really knew was the modeling business so i thought okay maybe i can start giving some modeling classes and 
within a couple of weeks, this girl walked in who was just so gorgeous that I'd, oh my God, she's got to be a model. So she, and she was looking for a job as a receptionist. And I said, okay, you're hired. And then she went home happy. The next, but then I thought about it all night and I thought, what have I done? She can't be a receptionist. She's got to be a model. So the next day when she came into work, I said, I have some good news and bad news. The good news is I still want you to work for me, but I want you to be a model. She had no pictures. She had absolutely no experience. I took her by the hand and I went to see all the top photographers, all the magazines and so on. And within something like two weeks, she had a magazine cover. She had a cosmetic uh, contract. She, she, I mean, she just. So as soon as people found out in the industry that I had one model who had no experience and that I'd gotten her all these important bookings, all of a sudden models who were neglected by their agents, other agents, started flocking to me. And within a very short amount of time, I had an absolutely fabulous agency, just just going great guns. And then I had a problem of, too many models and a market that was not that large. So I thought, okay, I've got to keep these girls working. How am I going to do that? So I started contacting modeling agencies in Europe and in uh, New York, in uh, Japan. And I started sending the girls to work internationally. So that made the agency even more um, interesting to all the models and the girls who were working internationally would come back to Montreal because I was in Montreal at the time. Um, they would come back with portfolios full of pictures that were more exciting than what we saw locally. You know, they had a European flavor and so on. So the more like I was, I just kept doing all the right things sort of by accident. One of the good things I did was I quickly determined that I didn't want to take the established models because to me, there was only one place they could go and they were already established. They couldn't get more established. So I only took girls that I felt were neglected, hadn't made their place in, in the industry yet and who had lots of potential. So everybody I took could only go up. So I was uh, very lucky. That's a fantastic story. What kind of age range were the girls? I back assume they were girls. Back then, uh, Montreal wasn't quite like New York. I know that New York at the time had 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds wearing tons of makeup. and uh, But in Montreal, it wasn't quite that bad. It They started pretty much around 17, 18 and I know when I sent girls to Japan, very often the mothers would go with them. Right. So in Europe, it wasn't as frightening. I think for some reason, sending a girl to Asia, it's so foreign to us that it was more frightening. Yes, so the parents yes. would often yeah. go. So so very different. Yeah. Yeah. For, for most people, let alone an 18-year-old. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Quite a success story. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you built up a big agency. What happened to this? Or do you still do that? Ah, uh, well, you, life is funny. Things go well, and then sometimes they don't go well. So, and when when things go bad, everything goes bad at the same time. So, I found out that my husband 
was having an affair and found out that he had been having them throughout our marriage. And at the same time, I had a little bout of cancer. It wasn't anything that was terribly dangerous, but just the word cancer was very frightening. And um, so my husband and I separated and I went into a terrible depression. And um, at the same time, some of my agents left my company to open an agency of their own. So everything sort of happened at the same time. So I turned around and sold the agency. And uh, so I was sitting on a nice sum of money. uh, And my by now ex-husband approached me and he said, you know, you're the mother of my son. And I hate to to see you make any mistakes with your money. Why don't you let me invest it for you? And. I was so eager for somebody to take care of me because when you're feeling that bad, you know, any, you just want to be rescued. <laughs> so I never saw that money again. Oh, yeah. How did I so know anyway, you, say that? <laughs> you just knew it, right? Yeah. But it turned out to be a good thing. It didn't happen right away because it took me a little while for, for, I would say about two years, I was so full of, of anger at him and blame is more more than anger things were hard for me at that time and I was blaming him and it's funny because I remember waking up one morning and it was like an epiphany it occurred to me that I wasn't take I wasn't giving him a free pass he was responsible but there was another person responsible in there, and that was me. I had given him the reins to my money. He he asked, and I just said, oh, yes, please, you know, help me here. And that changed my thinking entirely. Instead of feeling like a victim and helpless, stopping, like, stopping to blame him, and taking responsibility myself gave me power. If I put myself in that mess, I could get myself out of it. So I thought, you know what? This is never going to happen to me again. I'm going to learn about money. So I went back to take courses on investing, et cetera, et cetera, became a financial planner, joined an investment firm, and um, my story got out. And the first thing I knew, I was being invited by women's organizations everywhere uh, to come and speak to women about the importance of them taking responsibility for their own financial success or security. And uh, this turned out to be a TV show. <laughs> so I had really, a, yeah. So I had a television show for four years in Canada. It was a national show. And uh, it, uh, my role it was my own show. And I just interviewed women who were extremely successful, but who had gone through a difficult time. And we looked at the steps they took. This was an effort to make women feel stronger and take charge of their lives. And I've always had a bit of that in me, you know, like making women take charge of their lives. And then I can still make a mistake, as you'll probably hear in a short while. Um, and, uh, the show lasted for four years on air Gosh! and, um, by the, t- and here's the funny thing. I'm French 
I lived in Montreal at the time. And the show was being filmed in English. You probably hear a little accent of mine every now and then it'll come through. Uh, But it was aired everywhere in English Canada. But in Montreal, people really didn't know me. So when the show came to an end, I was still an investment planner and a financial planner. Uh, So I moved to Toronto where I was known. And uh, I had a reputation there. So I took advantage of that and went into the business there. And did quite well. Now, move forward a few years. By that time, my children are grown up. They're independent, etc. And I um, I have been single for 20 years. <laughs> and uh, I met someone, fell in love, and uh, gave up my career to move out west after I married him. And... I thought I'd learned to be financially independent. And this was, well, I I was in a way, I still had my own income, but it was nowhere near his income. He was a very, he is a very wealthy man. And the power struggle in a marriage where one person is way more successful financially than the other it uh, sort of imbues everything in the marriage and it becomes very difficult. Well, perhaps not with everybody, but with him, it was that way. So the marriage lasted 16 years and then unfortunately it came to an end. What? So there was some resentment about your earning capacity? Yes, yes. Uh, He saw me as an expense. Oh, I see. And the funny thing is I had basically, I'm very much a take charge and do what needs to be done type of person. If it needs to be done, I'll do it. And uh, when I went there, he had a number of apartment buildings, which he told me he hadn't even stepped foot in them in over six years. So I thought, okay, well, I'll go take a look at them. And I, I was shocked. They were terribly neglected they they were um the kind of buildings where you wouldn't want to walk in at night because you don't know what kind of people you're going to be meeting it was scary so were these uh buildings that were rented out to tenants or right 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 right. okay so i came back home and i said how can you do that these are your investments they're deteriorating he said well if you want to take care of it, you do it. Well, I think altogether, I must have renovated about mm, well over 200 apartments. I don't do, I didn't do the work myself. And I have to say that about a year after I started, it was such a big job. My son moved out West and joined me in doing this. And uh, we basically redid Every apartment, every hallway, every elevator, the facades, the landscaping, the garages, everything. So you took on the project management of yeah. these buildings. Yeah. 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 And uh, very successfully. He free, made free, a of lot of free of charge, I assume. Yeah. Well, I, he did give me a sort of allowance, but, and he did back then uh, very much give me credit for, for doing this. 
But the problem started when he sold the buildings and we moved away from there. All of a sudden, I wasn't really um, earning my keep, let's say. Right, right, right. And uh, his behavior became um, different. I think he resented me not not sort of paying my way, if you wish. That's and uh, he's very wealthy, right? Very wealthy, yes. So it's just interesting that he you're not paying your keep when um, he has so much money. Um, I well, you know, in not in his defense, but to understand, I he came from um, no money at all, and he did work very hard. And uh, I think he will always feel, no matter how much money he has, he will always feel worried about finances. And and that's just an emotional thing. He is that way. And at a certain point, I just, uh, you know, I just had to leave because I just never knew what mood he was going to be in. And um, what happened was I turned 68. And the day I turned 68, I thought, okay, my father died at the age of 78. If I'm like him, I might only have 10 years. Yeah, and I yeah. don't think I can live this way. And you but, were obviously very unhappy by that point. Very unhappy, yeah, yes. Yeah. So anyways. That's sad. Yeah, it was. But it also turned out to be a good thing because as sad as it was, I am so happy now starting a new career. I'm 70, but I feel 35. You look 35. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you haven't had your, your eyeglass prescription. <laughs> we'll continue our conversation in a moment. But first, a message from our first sponsor. You're listening to the Old Cal Podcast. Diving deep into life after 40. Check out the Old Cal store on Facebook or at oldcalllc.myshopify.com. You'll find discounts and exclusive savings. Now back to the show with your hosts, Jill and Ava. If we could just back up for a second. So <laughs> okay. Dating. Did we miss anything there? No, I haven't yet. I think that's left me a little gun shy. I'm starting to um, look forward to it uh, with some trepidation. And I have come to also realize that somewhere I seem to be attracted to, to difficult men, would I put it that way? So if this is something in me, maybe, maybe I have to be very careful. But I did spend 20 years in between the two marriages, so. <laughs> How was that? Did you date a lot during those 20 years? Of course I dated, but I was so focused on my career and uh, my children that um, I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, get too involved. How did you manage it with children and to have such a successful business? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, you do what you have to do. And my children are wonderful, well-balanced, uh, happy, 
and uh, we have a great relationship. So somehow I did that right. You know what? Maybe we're not meant to just be home cooking and cleaning. You know, they, they, for so long, they said women should just stay home. But maybe that isn't the best thing for the kids all the time. We did have dinner every night. We did have dinner every night. And we would. And I remember uh, back then reading a book called Rich Man, Rich Man, Poor Man or Rich Father, Poor Father. I mean, Rich Man, Poor Man is. A, I can't a, remember oh, I how. Remember the show? Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was a uh, a book by a financial planner. And he was oh. talking about how children who grow up in wealthy families are used to hearing about business and finance at the dinner table. Whereas children from unfortunate, uh, financially unfortunate families, they don't talk about finances and business and so on. So those children grow up with less of a financial education. So I remember when, when my kids were growing up from the moment I was single again at dinner, I would talk about my business, my, my career, my investments, etc., and made sure I talked about, you know, my kids goals and so on. We had really interesting conversations and both my kids are uh, financially solid and um I think a large part of it was because of those conversations. Absolutely. Yes, it will be. It will have been hugely influential. It will have rubbed off. Well done. So how did it come about that you started to model again? I mean, I think I know a little from seeing it, but for the audience. So did you let your hair, I, I met you actually in a group about women who are embracing their gray hair, their natural hair. Right. So was it related to that? Because that's where I saw you post. Was it that you started to? Yes. When did yes. you decide to do that? By that's a big decision. You're going to embrace your natural color. It, it, yes, and uh, it's such a big decision that I had to do it twice before it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, really you know, nice. It's beautiful. <laughs> I had silver like that. It's so lovely. That's why I stopped because I didn't have a nice silver. You look great. Well, now it's nice, but the first time I did it, what happened was um, at a certain point we were living out in the country. And the closest hairdresser was a couple of miles down the road. And basically it was the wife of the, the corner store and she would do the hair color for the women in the neighborhood sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I had my hair colored there um, or the roots done all the time. And my hair was getting so dry and brittle. And I just thought, this is insane. I'm walking around with like hair that feels like straw so um, I'd been talking about it and, and my husband was saying, oh, no, I don't want you with gray hair, you know. And at a certain point, he looked at me one day and he said, you know, maybe you're right. Your hair is so dry. Maybe you should get the stop coloring. And I stopped coloring then. And my hair came in um, not quite silver. It There just wasn't enough white or gray in it to make it attractive yet. And every time I looked in the mirror, I thought I, I looked like my mother. And no matter, you know, we never want to look like our mothers. It's so funny. It's what we all say. Everyone. Yeah. 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 And uh, so I happened to be with uh, two of my sisters one day and we were walking through a shopping center and I walked by this wig shop and I said, let me just go in for a second. I want to see what I would look like if I went back to my my colored hair. So I tried on a wig 
And I thought, oh, my God, I look so much better. So I went straight to the hairdresser and had my hair colored again. But of course, the dryness started again. And then it's the going every two weeks, because when you have dark hair and your white is growing out, that stripe of white in the middle of it's just so awful. I had to do it every two weeks because my hair grows quite fast. Anyways, I started all over again. But this time I did it differently. I thought, okay, I'll have my hair bleached. My hair was, I had to cut uh, like a short, like a chin length or something, mid-neck, let's say. And um, I went to a hairdresser and had all the color stripped. And it looked great. They even put some kind of toner that put it, that made it silver the way I was hoping it was going to turn out. And it was great for not that long a time because every time I brushed it, more hair would sort of break off. Oh, no. And pretty soon, pretty soon, my chin length hair became a, a pixie cut <laughs> oh. <laughs> because it just kept breaking off. But uh, at least the roots did not show. So I just let it grow out and... Uh, uh, it's the best thing I ever did. I'm just, I just so love my silver hair. I think I look better now than I did when I was young and modeling because the silver is just so attractive. Really and suits you. So is it really low maintenance then? You don't have to do the hair. Nothing, the nothing. And that was the other thing I did. I, I'm really a low maintenance type of person. I don't do uh, eyelash extensions. I don't do false nails. I don't do facials and stuff like that I'm I'm like a washcloth and soap kind of girl and I don't spend hours doing my hair so I had my hair cut into a bob with bangs because I hate it when the the wind blows my hair all over my face so the bangs protected me from that and it's literally wash and wear it's best thing I ever did and it looks so French. <laughs> it does, no, it's it does Madame Clement. It really <laughs> is. It's lovely. Yeah. So what happened was after um, I left my husband, of course, you're a little bit in the dumps for a while. And a girlfriend of mine kept saying, you've got a model, you've got a model. And, and, I, and I did this so many years ago. And I've done so much in between. I've also written 10 novels that have been published. Um, four with Penguin and two with Karina Press. And uh, to go back to modeling felt to me all of a sudden like a step back. And then when I was in Toronto, I I ran into an old friend who is now um, a, a scout for a modeling agency. And she talked to me into starting to model again. And as much as it was, I think I was afraid because the age 70 felt like, oh, my God, starting to model at 70. What kind of a silly idea is that? And uh, but she convinced me that, hey, silver is the new blonde. It is. But also 70 is the new 70. No, 70 is the new 40. I actually have a shirt that says that. I'll send it to you. 70 is the new 70. That's the thing. I don't want to be. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, no, I can send it to you. No, but I think that, um, I think it's great. I mean, you look beautiful, but that's the whole thing too. That's why I was asking you in the beginning about when you were talking about how you looked at yourself from years ago, things have changed so much. The lines are really blurred. I mean, I see some women who can pull off clothing my daughter would wear. 
I yeah, pull yeah. it off, but not because of my age, because I don't oh, exercise. If I exercise, maybe I could pull it off. You know, I think things have really changed. And my mom at my age, but younger than my age, and like 30, I think my little psycho grandmother, really. Yeah, and no, absolutely. So, and the way they dressed, she had her hair all teased. She wore those muumu like house dress things. Yes. It's, it's so funny to me to look back at how they were. And I couldn't even imagine looking like that now. And um, I mean, so I look at you. I don't even know. I mean, if you told me you were 50, I believe you, honestly. So oh, I thank think you. Age really, age really is a number, not to be so cliche. But I don't think your age has anything to do with it. I think if you're stunning, you're stunning. Yeah. And actually, I find that women, when we go gray, that coloring is somehow more flattering to our our features because one thing after I did go back to coloring my hair after having been gray it wasn't as attractive as I thought it would be it looked harsh on me you know what though don't you see the women in that gray journey and on Instagram that um they actually do look better with gray hair I agree I entirely agree so what kind of things do you model it's it's all fashion uh, well, <laughs> I've had um, one campaign I did with bathing suits, and I have another one where I did some, uh, well, I hate to say underwear because they're undergarments, but not very revealing, just undergarments. I've done uh, sportswear. I've done a cosmetic uh, ad. It's not, I don't have like a contract or anything like that, but it's an yeah. ad. And it, all kinds of things like that. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I'd be happy to hold up a bathing suit to show you. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any rules for modeling now? Like, I mean, did they say, I don't know how tall you are, but you're probably tall because you used to model, but like, did they say to you, you know, this is how much you have to weigh? Like, is it different from when you modeled the first time? Totally different. Totally, totally oh, different. Oh, what way? Um, in every way. Now we, they want real people. First of all, one of the campaigns that I did, uh, one of the models I was working with was probably a size, I would say 14 or something, a gorgeous girl. Um, they want, now they want, um, people who look like normal people, but maybe a little prettier, but, um, you're allowed to be to have a certain age you're allowed to have a certain amount of weight they actually like that like in my in my case I probably weigh about 15 pounds more than when I was modeling way back then um and and that's fine I, I first of all I would look stupid as skinny as I used to be uh and uh the the business has also changed and that is possibly because of covid there are no more what they used to call cattle calls. A cattle call was when they had a general audition when uh, like 50 girls showed up with their portfolios. We all waited in the long hallway, sitting on chairs, and we were taken into a room one by one. We showed our portfolio. We were interviewed if it was for a TV commercial or something, and we had to play a part. A little bit like uh, auditions, I suppose, for movies, whatever. And uh, now they don't have that anymore. Any casting is done with your own iPhone. You just uh, do a Zoom call and you're interviewed that way. And they want to see pictures that selfies. They want to see you usually without makeup, without retouching, etc. Because they want to see what the real you is. There's so many apps out there that change that that filter that you know that a girl 
could look so different from all that that she'll walk in nobody will recognize her you know yeah so um in that sense the modeling industry has changed tremendously we no longer have portfolios which were usually these big leather satchels full of black and white shots and photography and color and all that and they used to weigh like 25 pounds now your portfolio is on instagram and when you audition for something, they want to see what, what your Instagram page is like. And that's what they're going to check out for you. Cool. You know, I like the part about being more normal. I think yeah. that's an improvement. I think it's really hard, particularly. Did you have a daughter? You mentioned your son. I, I do. I had, yes, I have a, a daughter, a son and a daughter. Yeah. Well, raising a, a girl, I mean, it's unrealistic, you know, looking Absolutely. at these models like Twiggy and, you know, I mean, especially Twiggy, but look, uh, especially models, Twiggy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not realistic and, and it's something they're trying to attain that they, they maybe could never do. So I like this. Also, there are many women in the world that don't look like that and never oh. will. And so now they can look at real women. So I actually think it's nicer, honestly. Well, the brands are reaching out to a wider marketplace. They want to attract every customer, shape and size. So. Yes. Well, they, they've come to realize, first of all, that women with uh, gray hair, we're the retired women. And many of us are retired with a, a decent income and we're a large portion of the market. So they have to appeal to us. We yeah. got a little upset seeing all these face creams being advertised on 18 year old faces. You know, come on, don't tell me that this is a, a wrinkle eraser when when the model is 18 years old. Yeah. Right. Quite true. Wow. What a great story. It's a it's a success story. And thank you, look, you you look very well and very happy and so i am very happy multiple times over which i really like so you've reached <laughs> yourself several times no but that's what life's about i think i don't think yes. getting from point a to point z just going in one direction and staying maybe in an unhappy marriage or you know or just doing one career or no career i think this is the right idea I, I've been told that I'm the queen of reinvent, in reinventing myself. And I think that has kept me young. I've worked very hard and I've had some good luck and some bad luck. And somebody said, oh, you've had it tough. But you know what? I look at it as a tapestry. Life is like a tapestry and you'll have different kinds of threads in there. Some are going to be rough threads and some are going to be silk and some are going to be, you know, cashmere and some are going to be whatever. Uh, but when you look at the total picture, I have such an interesting life and starting over again at 70, it's just wonderful. I don't think life will ever be long enough for me to do everything I'd like to do. That's the best way to do it. Fantastic. Well, we, um, we have uh, a little thing that we do at the end of our chats with our lovely guests. And we like to ask them questions that are fairly lighthearted. They're not prepared. So you don't know, you don't know what we're about to ask you, but um, is there something that your parents never talked to you about that you wish they had? Um, sex and money. Money, I wish they had talked about the importance of investing, of putting money aside, of, you know, that kind of thing. Um, sex, well, actually, <laughs> they didn't, I learned about sex anyways. But I do remember when I was, I think, 12 years old, and I had this idea that I knew that there was the sperm, and I knew that it had to fertilize the, the ova and the woman. 
but I didn't know how that happened. I had a picture of a man and a woman sitting under a tree and a little bug walking across the lawn to, to the woman from the man to the woman. And I knew that made no sense. So I remember sort of <laughs> telling my mother, please explain to me how this works. And she was so embarrassed. And when she finally explained it to me, I said, ugh. That's you a horrible work. thing to do to a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people say the same thing, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so where parents are concerned, for better or worse, there are personality traits that we inherit from our parents. Is there something that you have inherited that you wish you hadn't? Yes. Don't we all? Uh, let's see. <laughs> um, I think I'm a little bit of a pushover like my mother was. I think I don't stand up for myself enough. And in that sense, perhaps if I had, uh, you see, there's a great need in me to be loved. And that makes me try hard and be nice. But it also prevents me, which is a good thing, but it also prevents me from standing up for myself and being what I might think of as difficult. Right. So that is something, um, and at 70 years old, I still have to learn to say, to be able to say no. Okay. Is there something that you got from your parents that you are happy about? Yes. Um, a very strong uh, work ethic. Great skin. I've got my mother's skin. You have amazing <laughs> skin. Yeah. And uh a great sense of humor. And uh yeah, those are the best things. Oh, they're great things. Yeah. yeah. Um and finally, what was your favorite childhood toy or game? And do you still have it? My favorite childhood toy was cardboard boxes and catalogs sears catalogs at christmas every year we would get the sears catalog and every time my parents would go and do grocery shopping they would come back with the groceries back then in cardboard boxes you know they, they would just yeah. stack everything in there and as soon as the boxes were empty i would swipe them and cut out furniture and clothes from the uh sears catalog and turn those cardboard boxes into playhouses. Oh, that's so creative. For my dog. That's so yeah. nice. Yeah. So, and they, I would redecorate them and, uh, it, it was just a lot of fun. And it, but uh, that was, oh, maybe that's one of the things I got from my parents, a great imagination. That's also creativity. That's very creative. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still have it? Do you have any uh, the creativity? Yes. I don't know. I mean, did you make any of those little um, houses that you made? That's so cute. No, no. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, I'm 70 years old. I've moved a few times. Yeah, yeah. They're disposable. No, I saw you have a grandmother. I bet she'd get a kick out of it. Oh, is she ever cute? Oh She's my god. Cute. Yeah. If there is such a thing as a reincarnation, I would want to have red hair like hers when I <laughs> until I go gray. <laughs> well thank you so much for talking to us and i'm sure that people will have questions for you if you are free we'd love to have you on again i would love to absolutely 
And if you could um, perhaps share some photos with us, we have a group online. It's an old cow podcast group. We can put some of your photos in there. I'm sure people would love to see you modeling the first time around and the sure. second around and even your great journey, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. And I would be happy to. Touch. Let us know how your dating goes. Okay. Oh, actually, I'm... Wait, you're falling in love. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I and will let you know. Also, Monique, you know. A, a list of your novels. I'm oh, very yes. I'm very curious. Yeah, I'd like okay. to take a look. Okay. I've always written under a pen name. So, um, and I had different names for Karina Press and a different name for Penguin. So I'll, um, I'll give you that. Oh, great. Thank you. Anyway, um, again, it was so nice talking to you and we will talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Show your support by subscribing and receive exclusive behind-the-scenes episodes. Please give us a five-star rating and a positive review if you liked what you heard and think others should check us out so that we can reach more people over 40 like us. Follow us on Facebook at Old Cow LLC and join the Old Cow Podcast group on Facebook and Instagram. You can listen to future episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Check back every Monday for new episodes. Have a great week, everyone. And remember, old is not a fact. It's a state of mind. This podcast is produced and edited by Allison Zhang and is a product of Old Cal Media. It is hosted by Jill Loris and Ava Lancaster.